Welcome to the Morning Scroll. I'm Rabbi Dina Cowens from Mishkan, Chicago, and you're listening to what will be a quick dive into this week's Parsha. If you've been meaning to brush up on your Jewish literacy or you're looking for some inspiration, you've come to the right place. This week we read Parshat Ki Tetze, meaning when you go out, and y'all, buckle up, it is really just a lot of laws, the most of any Parsha in the Torah. We'll start with a brief recap. So the Parsha starts by revisiting laws on female captives of war and what a soldier needs to do to marry a captive. We then get some other laws about inheritance and a commandment to stone a rebellious child in the town square. Then more laws, such as we should bury a dead person as soon as possible, return lost objects, help a neighbor, send a mother bird away before taking her chicks or eggs, build a safety fence around a roof, wear tzitzit, and some negative commandments such as not mixing seeds or animals. We get a brief law break for some punishments, such as those for a husband who publicly humiliates his wife, adultery, and rape, and then it's back to laws like keeping a pure and hygienic camp, and what to do if one has a nighttime emission, and a commandment to honor vows and commandments against prostitution and lending with interest, and then a section on workers' rights to eat the produce they're harvesting. Then some laws of marriage and divorce, and laws to protect the poor, such as not taking any of their necessities as collateral and making sure to pay them on time. Then a commandment to remember that Miriam, Moshe's sister, got Sarat for gossiping about him. Then it's back to laws including mandatory gifts for the poor, how to carry out corporal punishment, the laws of leveret marriage, in which when a man dies childless, his brother is commanded to marry his widow, or go through a ritual called chalitza, which frees him from the obligation to marry her, but also he has to take off his shoes in public. This is not a joke. Apparently being barefoot in public is a real shame. Back to the Parsha. Two more laws, one to maintain accurate weights and measures so we don't cheat in business, and then a commandment to remember how Amalek attacked the Israelites from behind once. Kind of an emotionally and intellectually exhausting Parsha, you know? There are entire chapters of the Talmud based on some of the laws here, so obviously there's a lot to unpack. Today I want to look at just one of those laws, the verses on what to do with a rebellious child, son really which the Torah makes clear involves publicly chastising him and then stoning him to death. It's a grand total of four verses in the Torah, and there's an entire 14-page chapter dedicated to it in the Talmud. So what's the deal? Well, in short, the Talmud doesn't love these verses, but it really isn't the Talmud's style to be like, nope, thank you, next. So instead, the Talmud uses its own tricks to minimize the impact of these laws carving out exception after exception until the possible number of situations in which the law could be used is infinitesimally small. The rabbis of the Talmud do this by picking apart each and every word of these verses and finding ways to define those words with an incredibly narrow scope. They start big and then they move smaller. So for example, they notice that it says son and they interpret that these laws don't apply to daughters. Then they narrow down the age range in which the laws could be applied to just a few months of puberty, and so on. We can think what we want about the laws of the Torah and the Talmud, but I love the paradigm here. When we're confronted with something in our tradition that makes us uncomfortable, we don't need to toss the whole tradition to avoid the thing. We can be intellectually creative, finding ways to minimize the scope of the law such that it doesn't apply to us, or doesn't even seem practical or realistic. It's a masterclass in not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So I want to offer a blessing to these rabbis who did the tough work of trying to figure out a way to live with an imperfect tradition. They didn't do a perfect job either, but that's the best part of their legacy. They left us the tools to continue to rely on the tradition and to look at our values and have them shape our religious practices and our world. So I want to extend the blessing to you and thank you for grappling with how to fit this ancient tradition into your modern life and for continuing to learn and iterate. 
I'll see you next week.